Chapter Five of My Life: The Story of a Provincial by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Five. Radish was not practical and was not at all good at forming an estimate. He took more work than he could get through and when calculating he was agitated lost his head and so was almost always out of pocket over his jobs he undertook painting glazing paper hanging and even tiling roofs and i can remember his running about for three days to find tilers for the sake of a paltry job he was a first-rate workman he sometimes earned as much as ten roubles a day and if it had not been for the desire at all costs to be a master and to be called a contractor he would probably have had plenty of money he was paid by the job but he paid me and the other workmen by the day from one and two pence to two shillings a day when it was fine and dry we did all kinds of outside work chiefly painting roofs when i was new to the work it made my feet burn as though i were walking on hot bricks and when i put on felt boots they were hotter than ever but this was only at first later on i got used to it and everything went swimmingly i was living now among people to whom labour was obligatory inevitable and who worked like cart-horses often with no idea of the moral significance of labour and indeed never using the word labour in conversation at all beside them i too felt like a cart-horse growing more and more imbued with the feeling of the obligatory and inevitable character of what i was doing and this made my life easier setting me free from all doubt and uncertainty at first everything interested me everything was new as though i had been born again i could sleep on the ground and go about barefoot and that was extremely pleasant i could stand in a crowd of the common people and be no constraint to any one and when a cab-horse fell down in the street i ran to help it up without being afraid of soiling my clothes and the best of it all was i was living on my own account and no burden to any one painting roofs especially with our own oil and colours was regarded as a particularly profitable job and so this rough dull work was not disdained even by such good workmen as radish in short breeches and wasted purple-looking legs he used to go about the roofs looking like a stork and i used to hear him as he plied his brush breathing heavily and saying woe woe to us sinners he walked about the roofs as freely as though he were upon the ground in spite of his being ill and pale as a corpse his agility was extraordinary he used to paint the domes and cupolas of the churches without scaffolding like a young man with only the help of a ladder and a rope and it was rather horrible when standing on a height far from the earth he would draw himself up erect and for some unknown reason pronounce lice consume grass rust consumes iron and lying the soul or thinking about something would answer his thoughts aloud anything may happen anything may happen when i went home from my work all the people who were sitting on benches by the gates all the shopmen and boys and their employers made sneering and spiteful remarks after me and this upset me at first and seemed to be simply monstrous better than nothing i heard on all sides house painter yellow ochre and none behaved so ungraciously to me as those who had only lately been humble people themselves and had earned their bread by hard manual labour 
in the streets full of shops i was once passing an ironmonger's when water was thrown over me as though by accident and on one occasion someone darted out with a stick at me while a fishmonger a grey-headed old man barred my way and said looking at me angrily i am not sorry for you you fool it's your father i am sorry for and my acquaintances were for some reason overcome with embarrassment when they met me some of them looked upon me as a queer fish and a comic fool others were sorry for me others did not know what attitude to take up to me and it was difficult to make them out one day i met anyuta blagovo in a side street near great devoryansky street i was going to work and was carrying two long brushes and a pail of paint recognizing me anyuta flushed crimson please do not bow to me in the street she said nervously harshly and in a shaking voice without offering me her hand and tears suddenly gleamed in her eyes if to your mind all this is necessary so be it so be it but i beg you not to meet me i no longer lived in great devoryansky street but in the suburb with my old nurse karpovna a good-natured but gloomy old woman who always foreboded some harm was afraid of all dreams and even in the bees and wasps that flew into her room saw omens of evil and the fact that i had become a workman to her thinking boded nothing good your life is ruined she would say mournfully shaking her head ruined her adopted son prokofy a huge uncouth red-headed fellow of thirty with bristling moustaches a butcher by trade lived in the little house with her when he met me in the passage he would make way for me in respectful silence and if he was drunk he would salute me with all five fingers at once he used to have supper in the evening and through the partition wall of boards i could hear him clear his throat and sigh as he drank off glass after glass mamma he would call in an undertone well karpovna who was passionately devoted to her adopted son would respond what is it sonny i can show you a testimony of my affection mamma all this earthly life i will cherish you in your declining years in this vale of tears and when you die i will bury you at my expense i have said it and you can believe it i got up every morning before sunrise and went to bed early we house painters ate a great deal and slept soundly the only thing amiss was that my heart used to beat violently at night i did not quarrel with my mates violent abuse desperate oaths and wishes such as blast your eyes or cholera take you never ceased all day but nevertheless we lived on very friendly terms the other fellow suspected me of being some sort of religious sectary and made good-natured jokes at my expense saying that even my own father had disowned me and thereupon would add that they rarely went into the temple of god themselves and that many of them had not been to confession for ten years they justified this laxity on their part by saying that a painter among men was like a jackdaw among birds the men had a good opinion of me and treated me with respect it was evident that my not drinking not smoking but leading a quiet steady life pleased them very much it was only an unpleasant shock to them that i took no hand in stealing oil and did not go with them to ask for tips from people on whose property we were working stealing oil and paints from those who employed them was a house painter's custom and was not regarded as theft and it was remarkable that even so upright a man as radish would always carry away a little white lead and oil as he went home after work and even the most respectable old fellows who owned the houses in which they lived in the suburb 
were not ashamed to ask for a tip and it made me feel vexed and ashamed to see the men go in a body to congratulate some non-entity on the commencement or the completion of the job and thank him with degrading servility when they had received a few coppers with people on whose work they were engaged they behaved like wily courtiers and almost every day i was reminded of shakespeare's polonius i fancy it is going to rain the man whose house was being painted would say looking at the sky it is there is not a doubt it is the painters would agree i don't think it is a rain-cloud though perhaps it won't rain after all no it won't your honour i am sure it won't but their attitude to their patrons behind their backs was usually one of irony and when they saw for instance a gentleman sitting in the veranda reading a newspaper they would observe he reads the paper but i dare say he has nothing to eat i never went home to see my own people when i came back from work i often found waiting for me little notes brief and anxious in which my sister wrote to me about my father that he had been particularly preoccupied at dinner and had eaten nothing or that he had been giddy and staggering or that he had locked himself in his room and had not come out for a long time such items of news troubled me i could not sleep and at times even walked up and down great dvoryansky street at night by our house looking in at the dark windows and trying to guess whether everything was well at home on sundays my sister came to see me but came in secret as though it were not to see me but our nurse and if she came in to see me she was very pale with tear-stained eyes and she began crying at once our father will never live through this she would say if anything should happen to him god grant it may not your conscience will torment you all your life it's awful misayu for our mother's sake i beseech you reform your ways my darling sister i would say how can i reform my ways if i am convinced that i am acting in accordance with my conscience do understand i know you are acting on your conscience but perhaps it could be done differently somehow so as not to wound anybody ah holy saints the old woman sighed through the door your life is ruined there will be trouble my dears there will be trouble End of chapter 5 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine